Does it concern you that your daughter has just run away from home? That's a loaded question. This is the Extra Hot Grade Podcast, episode 85 for the week of May 28th, 2012. I am traitor to our family, David T. Cole, and I'm here with Junior Khaki Scout, Joe Reed. Nonverbal salute. And very troubled child, Tara Ariano. I'm a raven. Hello. Hey, everybody. Hi. Recording a little bit later than usual. We gave you those two minis, so, uh, you know, choke on them. Just kidding. <laughs> we uh, we were traveling, Dave and I, to Canada, and uh, Joe will be traveling back to his native fake Canada, a.k.a. Buffalo, True. later this week, so we will have some other uh, schedule adjustments. But for now, we're all here. Yep. And we are discussing Moonrise Kingdom, because even though it only opened in four theaters in this country... None of us could stand the idea of going to see Men in Black 3. And also for four theaters in the country, apparently it made an ass load of money. It so. beat the previous, uh, what's known as the specialty market record. Right. Um, it it uh, grossed an average of 130-something thousand per dollars screen. per screen yeah. over the four-day weekend. Yeah. So beating the previous record held by Dreamgirls. Oh, right. That's the funny part about that was that it was Dreamgirls. Yes. So Moonrise Kingdom... Who wants to start? Joe. I'll start because I liked it. Um, I don't know. I feel like this is going to be a strange one because I feel like this is going to be you guys uh, listing the things that made it, you know, you were dissatisfied by and me just being like, but I liked those things. Mm -hmm. So assume, you know, I found it. I don't know. I'm a huge Wes Anderson fan. I really like his style. And so this was sort of like settling into something that I was very used to. I think that from that first sort of boxy frame that he's very partial to um, in Susie's home with her uh, siblings and you sort of saw them playing and they would do that reverse shot where it was also very boxy. Um, I felt like it was like, oh, here we are. Here we are again. I'm home Mm -hmm. again. Um, And I know some people are um, sort of itching for Wes Anderson to step out of that style and do something more adventurous. I'm okay with him sort of doing the maybe like the Woody Allen thing is sort of like this is my style Mm -hmm. this is what I do and I think he finds ways to I don't think there's a ton of different things that he says with his different movies but I like how if you look at everything as a whole there's this sense of either people stepping out of their very structured little lives or settling into them and I think this movie was kind of about both of those things whereas like Sam and Susie the two uh, kids who run away together are escaping what they're running from. She's escaping her family. He's escaping his no family, mm-hmm. escaping the scouts, I guess, Yeah, um, who don't like him. Right. And sort of building their own little, whatever, tide pool existence. Um, it seems like this is a Cape Codish kind of area that mm-hmm. they're in or something very it certainly New looks England-y. cold for it being yeah. early September. <laughs> um, I don't know. And they sort of like, so then they step out of, you know, their old life and then into something new, but then it still is very structured and it's still very, but like structured by them, which I thought was a cool little statement. Um, I don't know. And I liked the kids are very obviously not professional, very new at this whole thing we call acting, Uh which I thought was not just the two main kids, all the kids. Yeah. And there are a ton. Yeah. 
But I found that charming and I felt that it fit in with the Wes Anderson thing because, again, it's so very structured and it's so very uh, obviously artificial that that made sense to me. I also was interested in the idea of these, because this is a lot of new people to the Wes Anderson sort of, he tends to work with Mm -hmm. like the whatever, his crew of actors. And you've got that again with Jason Schwartzman and Bill Murray, certainly. Yeah. But like Edward Norton, I thought fit in really well with that dialogue style. Mm-hmm. It's a very specific kind of way of talking. And I thought he felt fit in well with it. I thought Bruce Willis did. And even with somebody like Frances McDormand, who I don't think did, I think she's too naturalistic mm-hmm. to really fit in with that. That was interesting in like a contrast kind of a way and sort of show, you know, her and Bill Murray I being. I guess. I, I didn't think she was that. I mean, I, she's. I don't think she was bad. Being in Coen Brothers movies, she's used to very, like, yeah. clipped, precise dialogue. Yeah, that is true. I think that you you didn't see that in this. Yeah. She was a lot more sort of earthy, I guess. Mm-hmm. Um, but I thought that worked, too. I think, I don't know. It all really felt familiar, but in a good way for me. Mm-hmm. Well, it was sort of a storybook tinged with a fairy tale to it. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. it was told as... The tale of these two kids running away from from home, quote home. But because Wes Anderson is such an art director of a director, that he obviously controls more than, you know, a lot of other directors do. We were talking last couple of weeks ago about Tim Burton. Yeah. You know, this is sort of like Tim Burton. He has, he has, for me, it sort of has some of the problems Tim Burton is having where Mm -hmm. he's almost art directing a movie before he directs it now. Uh, I see. But he does it better than anybody else in that regards. Right, I think Tim Burton. I've seen it, yeah. and I'm bored by it. But even this film, which I thought the story was what it was, and it yeah. was sort of like this little bit of you know self discovery, yeah. a little bit of an adventure. But in the moment, watching it, I was entertained just because it was so lush visually, yeah, and stylistically, yeah, that. I won't probably regard it the same way a year from now or two years from now, the way that I still treasure Rushmore. Sure. Mm-hmm. Because Rushmore, I found, was much more grounded in the character. Like, even though the characters had outrageous quirks and there was sort of fantastical situations, yeah, it was a much more grounded movie. Yeah. And this one was much more of a fairy tale. Like, this one had a kind of weird off-kilter realism to it, too. I mean, well, obviously, would... it's set in the past. Yeah. And he's, you know, he's, you know, everything could have been, you you could buy everything at Etsy now. It was like Etsy the movie as far as the art direction goes. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he's using vintage film stock emulation and stuff. So really, like, he paints a good picture. Yeah. Um, But when I compare it to other movies, and my favorite is Rushmore, so I keep on going back to it, that it it doesn't quite stick with me in the same way. Not to say it's a bad film, and I did enjoy it. Yeah. Whereas Rushmore, I would say, is like a good, solid A, A plus. This yeah. is sort of like a, a B, B plus to me. Sure. And um, I, I didn't mind the kids at all in this. Yeah. I felt that their weird, dreamy detachment from it uh-huh. was in service of the story. That's what I thought, too. And I didn't think Frances McDormand was a sore thumb in this. I, I think she fits I don't think in. she I was think a she sore plays, thumb. I think her character in, in Fargo was equally quirky. Uh-huh. Um, in a way that the characters here are sort of, you know, the same way. Yeah. Um, so, um, you know, I, 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 I tweeted, maybe this is why I thought I didn't like it, but one of the things I tweeted when I came out of the movie says, 
the Moonrise Kingdom worked equally well as as a Wes Anderson movie and somebody doing an imitation of a Wes Anderson no, movie. No, and I think that's that actually wasn't what made me think you hated it. When mm. you were just like, this is Etsy the movie, I was just oh, like, oh, no, that just, sounds right. Well, I mean, you know, it's all retro. It's all retro no, tinge yeah. and it's all about wilderness. You know, these are the things that get Etsy people going. I just don't think that's ever produced the on point of it. Pardon me? I said it's the first film ever produced on Instagram. Yeah, it sort of has that vibe to it. Yeah. Um, but no, I, I enjoyed it. And I liked it. I have some problems with it. I think Wes Anderson might be moving into the territory that, um, like, he, like I, I, I think after this movie, I wouldn't say that I, I was one of those people that was waiting for Wes Anderson to break out of the mold no. before this movie. But maybe now after this movie, I yeah. think he's sort of taken it to the end of the spectrum. If on one end you have um, Bottle Rocket, and right. on the other end you have Moonrise Kingdom, and there's a progression of sort of engineered quirk in between those two. I think Moonrise King, God, I cannot imagine something with more engineered quirk than Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, I don't mean that necessarily in a terrible way. I just mean like it's premeditated how stylized this is. And that's all I mean by that. Yeah. And I think after this one, I'm ready for a little bit less of that part of Wes Anderson, a little bit more of, you know, just uh, maybe rein that back and bring the characters to the forefront. Weirdly enough, it kind of reminded me of George Lucas. Where maybe George oh, Lucas needed a yes, a few less yes men uh-huh. to say, I know you got all these tools in your bucket now with CGI and all yeah. that kind of stuff, but you know, let's remember why we all loved, you know, what yeah. you used to do, right? There's fun characters having an adventure, and I feel a little bit that way with this, not nearly the same magnitude, right. but just that idea that he's done everything that people sort of go to to him first when they talk about him, the style, and now his to the nth degree. Yeah. And I feel like somebody needed to tell him, uh, you know, well, you know, maybe pull it back. And Tara, you said that, you know, who knows? Maybe Rushmore was the product of somebody didn't have that pull at the time. And maybe somebody said, the studio said, we can't make this weird movie Rushmore that you want. Let's pull it back to this. I have absolutely no uh, knowledge that that's the case. But it kind of feels like that's plausible given what the movie I just watched on the weekend. Yeah. Um. I, I love Rushmore too, and obviously Royal Tenenbaums. We've yeah. certainly talked about to the umpteenth degree. I I don't. It's not that I want Wes Anderson to stop being Wes Anderson. Right. I feel like his quirks are. I don't even want to say quirks. I feel like his particular style is he's starting to calcify in it. Uh huh. Yeah. And in his earlier movies, I feel like there was more of an effort to engage with the audience on a story level. Mm-hmm. And now I feel like this is just like style for style's sake. Because I feel like sorry not to interrupt you. I feel like there's, if you look at a movie like Royal Tenenbaums, mm-hmm. which we all kind of agree on. Which I is also like. a fairy tale. Well, and it's I also mean, a fairy even tale. Even more explicitly a fairy tale than this one with the chapter yeah. headings and the narrator and so on. Well, and I don't think you're going to find a movie more art directed. Even this, even Moonrise Kingdom, I feel like Royal Tenenbaums is like down to like the Dalmatian mice. Yeah. Like, so I feel like that element has always been there and to to this degree of saturation, I, I feel like, yes, too. Yes, but I feel like he's dialing up the style and dialing back the story. Mm-hmm. Like, the fact that we've gotten this far in the discussion without any kind of spoiler discussion <laughs> yeah. or spoiler warning tells us, like, story is beside the point in this movie. Yeah. There's really not much to it. If no. You've seen the, if you've seen the trailer, you can probably make some pretty good guesses about what happens. Yeah. It gets more violent than I was expecting it to at times, which... Sh- sure. He tends to do in his movies, too. You but it see felt that. like... It felt like um, it felt like a short film stretched out to not mm. in the sense that it felt long, but it felt short filmish in the sense of its ambitions scope? and yeah. its scope. Yeah, and and I just feel like 
the other thing that made it different for me for than Royal Tenenbaums was all of the non-professional actors, especially the kids. I think it's hard to put his dialogue style uh-huh. in a kid's mouth, especially a non-seasoned actor, because that the, it, it, if you give dialogue like that to Gwyneth Paltrow, right? You know, you you can tell or whoever if I want to say her because she's such a lightning rod to Bill Murray. Sure, he's gonna you know there's something behind it even if it sounds flat. Yeah. Whereas with kids, it just sounds flat. Yeah. And it just feels like that lack of affect is another way that he's keeping the audience at a distance. Whereas in Rushmore, I feel like it was so much more of a human story. Yeah. Like if we can call Rushmore the peak of his powers in terms of telling us a really like a heartbreaking story about real seeming people, mm-hmm. you know, dialed up to maybe like not sitcom proportions, but dialed up for comedy's sake, but still recognizably acting like people. This is a a motherless child and his beleaguered dad who has no fucking clue what his kid is even about. Yeah. Which is basically the same stuff that's going on here, but it just felt so cold. I think you saw too with, uh, speaking of Rushmore and the dialogue style, Jason Schwartzman shows up briefly in this yes. and he's again reminds me like oh this is the person who was meant to read yes. all of Wes Anderson's when you, dialogue and when he he's shows up, so it's good such, at I it I felt like it was yeah. such a relief yeah. like, like it, anyway yeah. I don't know I, I felt like I get what he I felt like I got what he was trying to do uh-huh. it just didn't I didn't find it engaging at all I see and, that, and, and I feel like I'm in the middle between you two and <laughs> I got what he was what he's doing I enjoyed it for his own sake in the moment. Yeah. It's not going to sit with me for a long time the yeah. way other works of his did, especially Rush, uh, Rushmore and Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah. Um, I mean, it, I it's, like- a, it's super, super great to look at. And Definitely. I love some of the trappings of it. Yes. I really love Bob Balaban. Sort of meteorologist interlude. Historian character. Sort of a narr- you know, he's sort of like a narrator, I right. guess, kind of. Mm-hmm. Um, and just like the, the, the art direction of just his bits yeah. where they're, he's, they're just putting him in various parts of the island talking about this and that were really yeah. uh, fun to yeah. watch. Yes. And, and for most of the movie, it's like that. I yeah. mean, you know, they really, he spends so much time picking, picking his shots. Right. And dressing his shots. Yeah. And that really works. Yeah. And so I feel like I'm, I'm the, uh, I'm the middle. Between yeah. I think it comes down to that. I enjoyed the stuff with the kids mm-hmm. a lot more. And I think that's, I mean, that makes perfect sense to me because they were so very non-professional. John, mm-hmm. John liked- Hodge boy. <laughs> like calling him. Yeah. 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 And, and little Kristen Stewart yeah. too. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. I liked the stuff with the, with the other scouts when they were talking about going back and we're going to, you know, the guy giving the rousing speech about, we got to go get him. And then the other guy who, uh, I don't know. All this talk about you know we got to bring a weapon and the kid who gets stabbed and uh, <laughs> it's, the Harvey Keitel cameo cut. was strange. Yeah, I but thought. that was a funny cut from like anyone who doesn't bring a weapon yeah. is an idiot or whatever, and they cut to the kid with a mace. Yep, <laughs> with nails, a homemade mace. Yeah, yeah. I mean, there was there was a lot of charm, and yeah. I don't mean that in a in a pejorative way. Sure, like, yeah. It, the, there were moments, but and I and I think that's ultimately like, where I come out of it. It's just like they all these movies are so charming to me that yes. I just really find them delightful. Yes, it's not like I needed to be a Gary. Marshall movie right in the sense of right but like and there but there were glimmers of what it could have been uh-huh if it had gone in a different direction I'm not saying I know better than Wes Anderson <laughs> but like in the in the Edward Norton character where he's you know he's very regimented and yeah. he keeps the kids in line but then he has that moment where he's he's like no scratch that I'm a scout leader and I teach math on the side like yeah. I almost thought where it was gonna go was like 
that he was going to end up adopting. I was Sam, actually thinking about that too. Which would have been a fine outcome too. Yeah. I thought the Bruce Willis character didn't resonate as well as the movie wanted him to. If mm-hmm. I, if I, if I have a big weakness in the movie, it's yeah. that. Um, and I couldn't tell whether that's because Bruce Willis wasn't up to doing that yes. or whether it was just a failure in writing and maybe well, both. Can you, can you spoiler it? Sure. <laughs> As part of the hoe, fun ahoy. Um, the idea of anyone in a Wes Anderson movie having an affair is kind of absurd because, like, is there yeah. any environment less sexless? <laughs> I mean, more, <laughs> more sexless, sexless, rather. Like, well, and even was, their affair was like they shook hands one time. You yeah, know what I mean? This like, is Bruce Willis and Francis McDormand's yes. characters are supposedly, but the extent of their affair seems to be sometimes they sit together and smoke. Yeah, like it was very um, yeah. chaste. Yes, and very and, much so. You know. Anyway, yeah. this this speaking to your point earlier, Joe. This movie actually made me like Edward Norton again. No small feat. Me, yes. me too. Definitely me so, too. Yeah. So I think he's and, somebody I've got, I've gone through a roller coaster with him because I very much liked him when he first came out, and then he really hit a valley that lasted a long, long time yes. up until now, up until this movie. Yeah, it was I a really good, like him. a good career move. Yeah, for seeing him, the reunion sure. of him and Francis McDormand, even not that they had a lot of scenes together, made me want to watch Primal Fear. Yeah. <laughs> well, there were some really good scenes in Primal Fear too. Yes. But yeah, yeah, yeah. Good and what did you yeah. guys think of Social Services? I think that was the character's name. Yes. I think. It it, they were it, they were fun, cute scenes while it lasted. I think it borders on a waste of Tilda Swinton. Yeah. Although she, for, to, to your point, she did fit into that world very she well. She sure does. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and that's certainly, if you're talking about, like, whatever, engineered whimsy, like, mm-hmm. that whole character, the fact down to the fact that she's named social services. Yeah. Yeah. But I liked everything, like, her the way she spoke, the way her manner was very... Matter of fact, in that Wes Anderson way, mm-hmm. and, uh, and, the, and I speaking like her. just speaking about you know the little touches that make this movie really fun to watch. Either it'll stay with you, or even in the moment, like yeah. I, there's a moment where Social Services pulls out her um, uh, violations book, and <laughs> in response, uh, Bruce Willis playing the island police chief pulls out his <laughs> book of boating violations and starts writing up for something in there yes. oh, there's little things like that yeah. you know he paints such he's, he's so good at painting a world that's why I'm saying yeah. like even yes. the the comparison to Tim Burton was was only only because like he's He's doing the same thing over and sure, over again, no, but he's it. the master of that. And he's yes. still funny, I feel yeah. like, whereas Tim Burton yeah. just isn't, isn't anymore. Yeah, oh, definitely. Like, yeah. there's there's certainly a lot of innate wit in it, yeah. but I just feel like if he goes any further along this continuum uh-huh. in the direction he's been going, yeah. there are going to be less movies than they are, like, extremely elaborate, beautiful to look at, <laughs> Barney's Holiday Windows. You know what I mean? <laughs> like, that kind of craft, that level of attention, uh-huh. the pleasure you get in looking at them, but in the way you're like, mm-hmm, and then you move on. I wonder, because I thought this with Fantastic Mr. Fox that that was a departure for him, but a departure of necessity because he was working in a different uh, medium almost, where I wonder where he goes to grow because I don't want him to do something completely different because I don't think that works. Like, I feel like so much of what he's good at. No one here is saying he should make X-Men second class. Right. (laughs) Well, you know, when when there's somebody with such a strong point of view, like, usually at this point, it's really good to, like, collaborate. Yeah. You know, and find somebody who, you know, is on the same wavelength, but perhaps a different you know, approach a different yeah. starting point. Yes. And, you know, so that might be it. I mean, I don't know if he's works well with others in that regard, but mm-hmm. I can see something like that really working. Yeah. 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 I mean, I just looked at the, the, the analogy, the Woody Allen analogy is good too, but yeah. I would also point to someone, to people like the Coen brothers who yeah. also have a very distinctive style. Certainly were much yeah. more, and they can spread it over a lot of different types earlier of in their career, but they've tried. They've done so many different modes of movies and genres very and true. styles. Very true. Like the, to think that the same people made, no Country for Old Men 
as well as the Hudsucker Arizona. proxy yeah, is, Hudsucker you know, proxy. Yeah. so I feel like there's, you know, he's, ta- he's talented. I love his work. Yeah. Um, you know, it's not that I want him to do something opposite from where he was. I, 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 and I don't want him to go backwards either. I'm not saying he needs to make right. Rushmore again, right? But just to get back to some element of that that made it more, mm-hmm. re- not even relatable. That made it that made it more emotionally engaging. Sure, I get it. Yeah. He doesn't like you. He's grumpy as can be. He doesn't like fun. That's plain to see. Time to ask. Will Dave hate this? Probably. <laughs> this was this will Dave hate this was suggested by Dave, which is a departure. <laughs> Normally, it's me or Joe seeing something that we think yeah. might hate. He might hate this. Well, uh, what I sent you, I basically just sent you a link to one story. That was what I read and what I know yes. about it. Okay, and that's it. So, what we are debating whether Dave will hate or not is yes. an upcoming film called Pacific Rim, and I will just give you some of the highlights. From Guillermo, Guillermo del Toro. When legions of monstrous creatures known as kaiju started rising from the sea, a war began that would take millions of lives and consume humanity's resources for years on end. To combat the giant kaiju, a special type of weapon was devised massive robots called Jaggers, which are controlled simultaneously by two pilots whose minds are locked in a neural bridge. But even the Jaggers are proving nearly defenseless in the face of the relentless kaiju on the verge of defeat the forces defending mankind have no turn no choice but to turn to two unlikely heroes a washed up former par- pilot joe's boyfriend charlie hunnam indeed and an untested trainee rinko kikuchi who are teamed to drive a legendary but seemingly obsolete jagger from the past together they stand as mankind's last hope against the mounting apocalypse so before we get into the meat of it can yes. you please explain Will Dave hate this? What everybody's role it is and what's the ultimate end game here? Because <laughs> yes. we had a little trouble with our first entry in this series where we were not quite on the same page. Well, here's what happened. <laughs> we don't have to rehash. The, re- we the real steel right, right. discussion. The real steel. real steel. Yes, let's not get back into it. Yeah. So we're trying to speculate. A pop culture product is presented to us. Right. One of us, in, in debate style, one of us takes the pro. Right. In the sense of Dave will, will hate, hate this, this. Yeah. position and the other takes con right and in this case i was the first to answer the email so yes. i said i think dave will you said hate, hate, hate. i said i yeah. think dave will hate this yes and here is why um, certainly it has a lot of davely elements from this description because i didn't investigate this further either and i assume you didn't I, any more than i did um giant robots this takes us back to the real steel incident mm-hmm. <laughs> um you know, two pilots, neural bridge. It's all very sci-fi. All of these are things I've certainly seen in movies that Dave has enjoyed in the past. Here's the biggest stumbling block for it. The Guillermo del, del Toro factor, because it sounds like this, this has a huge potentiality for a lot of um, creatures. Speaking of people that need to be reined in perhaps, or get more notes. Mm-hmm. And um, we've had plenty of opportunities. Are you to telling watch- me the creatures that are destroying Japan need more notes? Or are you talking about del Toro? Del Toro. Okay. That uh, as had, the judge of this, I just <laughs> sometimes I will ask for clarification. We've had plenty of chances to see movies of his, like Dear Godzilla, Pan's Less Labyrinth, Fire, More Stomping, <laughs> or whatever the one that he produced was, The Orphanage. Well, on the Hellboy movies, and that oh yeah, we did see those. Um, and I think that on balance, late stage Guillermo del Toro is not Dave's bag, so that's why I think Dave will hate this. All right, I am going to... In fact, if I may, yes, it's so close to being something he would like that he will hate it. Oh, interesting tactic. 
The McMahon tactic. I like it. Um, I, <laughs> I don't know. Uh, the, I, I'm, citing, I'm citing obscure precedent that nobody knows about, but okay. that's fine. Um, obscure fictional precedent. Exactly. Mm-hmm. No, I'm going to make a uh, what some will call this a cardinal error of uh, attorney dumb. Mm-hmm. I'm going uh, to assume facts that are not to be assumed, but uh-huh. my thinking where Dave might not hate this is that Godzilla seems like a thing that young Dave in his youth may have enjoyed and he may have warm feelings about. And there seems to be an element of sort of danger rising from the Pacific, um, humanity having to band together to fight it. You, you just tell me when you want me to answer your assumption. I, I'm going to, I'm just, I'm going to get the whole thing out Got and it. then uh, I'll let you rule as you will. Very good. Um, so I think that this has enough similarities to it. And again, then you throw in the robot factor into it, which we know from the Real Steel discussion, that there was interest in robots, but that it was deep-sixed by uh, cutesy Kids. emotional content. Whereas this, it seems like the robots are mitigated by brainy stuff. And that might be better. Um, I know I don't have a ton to hold on to. I know that you don't hate all Guillermo del Toro, because there's the Blade 2 thing mm-hmm. to consider. And... I feel like without a source material like a Hellboy where he was sort of a slave to whatever was on the page there, that he may have uh, some freedom. Dave is nodding. No, that is a point I hadn't considered. He may have some freedom to uh, be less slavish to fanboy convention. That's basically all I have is Godzilla question mark, robots question mark. Well, uh, all right, so working backwards... I'm not a big fancy city lord. It, okay. <laughs> if your argument is it didn't really work well in Hellboy, but then Blade 2 is also sourced, Damn so it. It, that, that is, he's batting, you know, 500 on that, yeah. right? Yeah. Uh, he's one for one. So, and speaking to your Godzilla, Dave as a child with Godzilla, I wasn't super into Godzilla like, you know, Godzilla people are. Sure. I'm a little bit too young. There are Godzilla people who mm-hmm. are all about that. But yes. Godzilla movies for me were that I'm super bored two o'clock in the afternoon mm. on a weekend in Channel 29. Fox 29, yep. No, not Fox 29. Oh. Yeah, good old WUTV uh, 29. Yeah. Way before Fox was even around. Yeah. This was the kind of stuff they would show yeah. at two o'clock in the afternoon. And it always be, wouldn't never actually be Godzilla. It'd always be like the ones that we're quite sure I, you know as a kid you're like oh it's a giant monster godzilla's going to appear but it wasn't it was like the turtle movie right or it was you know like the <laughs> like, rodan or something yeah exactly yeah um but i watched them yeah i enjoyed them the sure. battle scenes it, it was never really got you know it never got to him quick enough you know yeah. just waiting for that tank to shoot the laser um okay so i'll go over my pros and cons okay um you're right, Blade 2, that guy knows how to direct an action scene when he wants to. Um, he's not afraid of going weird, like Pan's Labyrinth, but also he's not afraid to go weird like Pan's Labyrinth. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so that that point's a wash. He tends, he's a little steampunky. Uh, I see. He travels in those circles. Mm-hmm. So that's, a, that's a, for me, uh, steampunk is... I got bored of steampunk a long time ago. Uh-huh. It's time to put steampunk in the closet for a while. Bring boing, it back boing. out. We'll bring it back out in 15 years. See what, see what's what. No. Um, <laughs> another negative for this. It's uh, written by the guy who wrote the extremely tone deaf clash of the Titans remake. Ouch. 
much. Um, perhaps a, a director like Del Toro could, you know, make it good. At the core, though, the premise seems to be, here's this movie with giant monsters and giant mechs. That's really good. Mm-hmm. You know, many a city is going to be destroyed. So it's got destructo porn. And yes. that's really good. It's got a cast, to me, that suggests the star of the movie is going to be the fights. Right. It's not going to be a lot of character development. Uh, I think the biggest name is um, Idris, uh, Idris Elba. Elba. Mm-hmm. Um, you mean Stringer Bell. And he's uh, decided to refer to him as Ringo, And he's Ringo not even Kikuchi. the lead. You know, the lead is the Son is Vanarchy guy yeah. and, and the Japanese guy. So, um, and on another plus, I'm curious to see what Charlie Day is going to be doing. In this yeah, movie. that's a weird one. Yeah. Um, so at the end, I really want him to be in a mech screaming, Rock! Black! <laughs> and then blowing off some shit. Ah, oh, shit. Now I'm on board. So... Uh, <laughs> So I think at the I, I'm hoping this will be the kind of monster movie that is the equivalent of a brainless popcorn film. And uh-huh. so far, most of the points that I've seen about this movie point to yes, that it's going to be just an excuse to have these big battles. There's actually this thing in New York, or maybe it's traveling, where these guys dress up as giant Japanese monsters and have like wrestling matches as the monsters and it's called it's like Big Battle Keiju or whatever that name was. Oh, interesting. And uh, it, question I, mark. I, well, I don't know. It's it's <laughs> I think it was like 6 years ago Williamsburg really loved it. Ah, uh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah. Um so on balance I'm saying so far this movie looks like it's going to be a brainless, mindless popcorn film about mechs and monsters fighting and stomping on big buildings, I'm predicting Dave will not. Woohoo! <laughs> we interrupt Sajun Mabaradad's yoga party for this special bulletin. Crisis at Camp Krusty. All right, it's time for the canon. Joe, I think I know what you brought us. I did. In honor of uh, Moonrise Kingdom, I thought I would pick an episode of television that had to do with kids at camp, uh, something goes wrong, and the adults are powerless to help them. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm, of course, talking about The Simpsons, Season 4, Episode 1, titled Camp Krusty. Um, so, the plot is ridiculously simple. Mm-hmm. Uh, last day of school, Homer's promise to the kids is get good grades and they can go to Camp Krusty. <laughs> We see uh, an ad on TV for Camp Krusty, which promises not only regular uh, kids camp, but also a very successful weight loss adjunct camp. And most importantly, that the kids will get to spend the summer, quote unquote, with Krusty. It's too bad that Bart's grades are straight D minuses. However, uh, he tries to forge them into A plus grades, which Lisa and eventually Homer rightly find laughable. But Homer lets him go anyway because he's such a great dad, question mark. More likely because, as evidenced in this clip of the parents seeing their kids off, he and Marge are looking forward to a relaxing, kid-free, or at least kid-mostly free, they still have Maggie, summer. So, here. We'll see you when you get back from image enhancement camp. Spare me your euphemisms. It's fat camp for daddy's chubby little secret. You promised you wouldn't make a scene. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Goodbye, my special little guy. 
Lisa, watch out for poison ivy. Remember, leaves of three, let it be. Leaves of four, eat some more. <laughs> <laughs> Goodbye. Bye, Goodbye, sweetheart. Bye. 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 Don't look in my closet. In fact, stay out of my room altogether. If the pets die, don't replace them. Oh, no. Bus goes away. Uh, So at camp, the kids are greeted by Krusty the Clown on television. Hi, kids. Welcome to Camp Krusty. (laughs) I'll see you in a few weeks. Until then, I've turned things over to my bestest buddy in the whole wide world. Mr. Black. I want you to treat... Mr. Black. With the same respect you would give me. Now here's... Mr. Black. Thank you, Krusty, and welcome, children. I am Mr. Black, your head counselor. For the past 15 years, I was president of Euro Krusty Land. Until it blew up. I'll take any questions you might have. You, and then uh, one more. Can we call you Uncle Blackie? No. Last question. <laughs> when do we get to see Krusty? Uh, he will be along eventually. In the meantime, our counselors, Dolph, Jimble, and Kearney, will be happy to handle any problems you may have. Looks like we got ourselves a troublemaker. Poor Wendell. (laughs) Um, So it turns out Camp Krusty is defined by its squalid conditions, bullying counselors, and dangerous canoes. And uh, (laughs) add to that that the fat camp is more like a concentration camp. And all why? Because of cost cutting by Krusty, sure. But also there is the outright villainy of Mr. Black. You're serving us gruel? Not quite. This is Krusty brand imitation gruel. Nine out of ten orphans can't tell the difference. Yo, Mr. Black, another brandy. Gentlemen, to evil. <laughs> Yay! I think that's this this legacy line. I think uh-huh. that's yeah, I think yeah. that is. Yep. Um, uh, Lisa sends a letter home in a very French lieutenant's woman uh, sort of <laughs> clandestine way, uh, detailing the camper's plight. Dear mom and dad, I no longer fear hell. Because I've been to Camp Krusty. Our nature hikes have become grim death marches. A snake bit me. Back in line, maggot. Our arts and crafts center is, in actuality, a Dickensian workhouse. Come on, wimps. These Gucci walls have to be on the streets of Hong Kong by Friday. Bart makes it through the days, relying on his unwavering belief that Krusty the Clown will come through. Krusty is coming. Krusty is coming. Krusty is coming. But I am far more pessimistic. I am not sure if this letter will reach you, as our lines of communication have been cut. Now the effort of writing has made me lightheaded, so I close by saying, Save us! Save us now! Bart and Lisa. Uh, so finally, the day comes when Krusty is supposed to show up, only it is uh, turns out to be a particularly drunk Barney, <laughs> barely dressed up as a clown. Uh, this ends up being the last straw. That's not Krusty the Clown! <gasps> what do you think, I slapped a clown suit on some wino? <laughs> I mean, yeah, I mean... bud! I am so Crunchy the Clown! <clears throat> All right, that's it! I've been scorched by Krusty before. 
I got a rapid heartbeat from those Krusty brand vitamins. My Krusty calculator didn't have a 7 or an 8. And Krusty's autobiography was self-serving with many glaring omissions. But this time, he's gone too far. We want Krusty! We want Krusty! We want Krusty! No, we want Krusty! We want Krusty! <laughs> I thought you said you broke their spirits. We did. You broke nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about Mr. Black. Mr. Black he's is a great. really good. He's, yeah. he's really diabolical. Yeah. Um. So Bart, of course, leads a rebellion, frees the fat kids, and sets up a banana republic that he names Camp Bart because it has a better ring to it than Camp Freedom. <laughs> um. Back at home, meanwhile, this, all of this is going on. Homer and Marge are thriving. Mm-hmm. Homer's losing weight. He's growing new hair. Yep. Uh, their sex life has never been better. But when they see Kent Brockman's news report uh, from on location at Camp Krusty, <laughs> uh, Homer's uh, hopes that it's not Bart who is leading the rebellion. He finds out that it is. His belly pouches out and his new hair falls out. Sad. Uh, meanwhile, Krusty does get called back from Wimbledon, where he is uh, causing trouble courtside. Uh, he flies into camp amid a media frenzy, and he finally meets up with Bart. I'm no fake. I'm the real Krusty. Oh, yeah? Who played your daughter in the short-lived sitcom President Clown? I don't know her name, but she held up a liquor store last year. <laughs> I smell bacon. Let's see if he's wearing a wire. Uh, hey, whoa, oh, uh, not the face. <gasps> it is the real Krusty. Look at that pacemaker scar, the cattle skull birthmark, and his famous superfluous nipple. Well, at least you're not as bad as customs. Uh, after this, uh, it all ends rather abruptly when an apologetic Krusty makes it up to the kids by taking them to Tijuana, um, where they get tattoos and drink tequila and all sorts of terrible things. Um, that's the episode. I feel like, uh, as we talked about briefly during that, Mr. Black character is a great one-off. The part where not only when they do the Mr. Black stuff in the video, (laughs) but then he comes in with the same exact, like, and it's me, Mr. Black. Uh Like, that's a great gag. Yes. Um, All of the visual gags while they're doing the Hail to the Camp Krusty song. um, Really fantastic. And then the the bandstand breaks and they all fall down. Yes. Um, The the Camp Avalanche, because at first second it looks like they're having fun and then you see they are running, running away their lives from falling boulders yeah and i think the fact that they keep do keep cutting back to homer and marge who are having such a great summer is a really nice contrast mm-hmm. um when they read the letter from lisa and they do that parental thing where it's like <laughs> when we go to pick her up she won't want to leave and um i think it's ultimately beyond being just a great like tons of great gags strung together Mm -hmm. it's a really recognizable kid story that's given just that correct sort of side spin by the simpsons yes um it's an earlier seasons episode so it was still when they weren't trying to uh do too much beyond like just tell these classic stories but in a in a very simpsons kind of way and i think it really does that um it gets a lot of the stuff about the last day of school right and how everybody's so excited that's what i said when they the moment the bell rings i was like it's really sad there's no such moment like that when you're yeah yeah (laughs) like the last second of school you know you have the whole summer and that Sigh. Millhouse moment where he says, "Can I call? It, can we call you Uncle Blackie?" is <laughs> classic character classic moment. Millhouse, and yes. you know I love classic Millhouse. So. And one line gets into who he is. Yeah, oh, so much, totally, yep. totally. Yeah. So right. yeah, that's my case. Right. Yeah, it's funny. Um, there's a lot of uh, 
off model stuff that happens in this episode. Ralph, Ralph, is, and the, even when the Bart and Simpson are on, or Bart and Lisa are on the bus, their heads are huge. Like yeah. this is before they had really cracked down on the animation style. But yeah. anyway, they hadn't found Ralph as a character at all yet. No, yeah. and but anyway, that aside, sure. that's just more you know interesting curiosities. Mm-hmm. But the other things that couldn't happen now in Simpsons season four million is not just what you said the the telling a recognizable kid story about a real realistic again torqued for comedy family yeah Yeah. um but all the stuff about them like specifically leaving at the end of school like that would never happen now they're never that specific about any of that stuff of like well then why is Mr. Krabappel still Bart's teacher, you right, know, like right. that before they had decided to get a little fudgy about that. Right. Now stuff. they were just sort of gleefully ignoring any kind of continuity at right. all. Which or I any, liked. or any acknowledgement of time yes. even, of, of any sort. Yeah. Um, but yes, this is a classic episode. If I mean to evil, yeah. that's well, all you really needed to, to clip. And also the part where, uh, Homer decides he's going to let Bart go and Bart's like, you're a really great dad. And he's like, I am a great dad. Now why don't you reach in and try to grab that roller skate out of the lawnmower? You've got little hands. Like, well, and when he looks at his, at his report card and is like, Bart, yeah. D turns into a B so easily. You, you got greedy. <laughs> <laughs> Bart says, no, I don't, sir. But yes. That, but so, so right there are the two most important rules for me for usually what identifies the canon-worthy Simpsons episode, which yes. is one, as you were saying, Joe, it's a real family story yeah. couched in Simpsons mayhem. Sure. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and then, I mean, and then Homer is, and then secondly, Homer isn't a complete moron. Yeah. Yes. He is just sort of a underachieving mm-hmm. but good-natured father who is not as bright as everybody else right yes. he's just like a dim bulb but he's not malicious yet no in later seasons he loses heart often yeah mm-hmm. and it, the jerk ass problem yeah yeah <laughs> and uh, so those right there are two really good you know strong points going for this episode uh i was thinking this is probably one of the earlier uses of licensed music at the beginning of this episode. oh right school's out for summer yeah. right it was used really well i find when i do catch a simpsons episode now it just seems like they stick something in every episode because it um, kind of kills time and they do a montage to it like it doesn't I know you have... don't watch the new episodes but they I did don't. something a few weeks ago where it was like an extended sort of like almost a Simpsons music video to this hot chip song and while we were watching uh-huh. it I was like is this part of the story or is this just wasting my time right. like not that I like music but that's I'm not here for my you know yeah DTV and the other thing they do th- in, at this point in the series is they're still putting the fantastical stuff in its right place in dreams in fantasies, yeah. there's not a lot of, you know, Kangan Kodos and non-Newtonian right. physics going on here. <laughs> the one thing, like there's two little details, I think, that are like outside that. They're the one, the kid that actually flies away with the wind. After, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. but, which, by the way, I was curious if they drew him in later in the episode and he turns up at the next scene. Oh, he so, does? Yeah, he does. Okay. Um, and then the, the tattoo bit at the end. Yeah. It's a nice little photo thing, but it's a little, it's, it's, yeah. you know, it's a little, yeah. a little, a little of that. Uh, syndrome that gets into the Simpsons a lot later. Um, but I can forgive one or two things. It's like when it's 15 minutes of the show, mm-hmm. it's hard. Yeah. Um, I really miss the moments that used to do in the Simpsons where they're just doing the gross eating breakfast thing yes. they used to <laughs> always do. Yep. There was something about that that made them them that they don't do anymore. And I always find those scenes really nice. Mm-hmm. I'll say this though about that is at that time, 
that stuff defined them against a popular culture that wasn't like that. You didn't get a family that that was sort of, that was that um, gross and not classy on TV. And I feel like now that television, there's, you see more of that. I feel like they didn't have the need to define them that way anymore. It lost its power. Yeah. But I get what, I get what you're saying in terms of like defining them as a family in some way. I think that's specifically why. Yeah, it is much like when Marge is not Marge. Marge goes a little off kilter is one are always my favorite moments. Yes. She's extremely Marge in this episode crying at the table at their last family dinner. Um, One of the nice touches. I really like when Bart opens his locker and sort of just like (laughs) load jungle drums start playing because <laughs> they show like the potato that's grown yes. like you know, four other tubers and roots growing out of yeah. it really nice moment my locker by the way at school was was, that. was like that except yeah. it was like it was a full-size locker so halfway up is where like the strata ended uh-huh. and then like the coat kind of hung <laughs> yeah but hit all the papers and binders and goo i found a peanut butter sandwich with a banana in it it's probably oh. sitting in there for like four months at one point oh, gross. yeah that's kind of gross i like when he folded up his gym shorts into a yeah airplane, <laughs> airplane. Flip. and yeah. Uh, yeah i mean and and not only is homer still grounded i find like the actions of the other characters really kind of speak to the core characteristics still yeah. like lisa is still an overachiever that really and wants a, to and a grade grubber and a great yeah exactly yeah <laughs> this is still the lisa of grade me grade me i'm oh so good yeah and bart is the underachiever and you know still the mischief maker and this is probably you know one of the most mischievous yeah bart's ever been you know like this is this is this is his moment in the sun yeah. as far as, you know, what he can do when he puts his mind to his mischief. Yeah. Um, other little things um, are Chalmers calling groundskeeper Willie. Well, William Skinner, Skinner does that. Oh, Skinner. Yeah. Sorry. Yeah. Um, uh, was, I, I, I don't know when he, that, that relate that changed. Yeah. Um, you know, Skinner becomes way more buffoonish as the, as the, yeah. uh, as yes. the series goes on. Uh, and the song you mentioned is great. Um, the Camp Krusty song. Oh God. It's so yeah. good. Um, the registered trademark bit at the end. Oh, you know, right. And it's good. And even just like the little touches, the fireworks gag where Homer and Marge are... At the picnic. There you go, like, <laughs> yeah. well, we can make our own fireworks here. And no, he just, says, we've got all the fireworks We've got all the fireworks we need. Fireworks we need. <laughs> reveal. The, yeah. Actual reveal. fireworks. And uh, one little thing I noticed, I'm sure this is on the internet. I didn't look. I actually, you know, noticed this. But the Camp Krusty um, bus that leaves the school and all the, chill, all the you know, parents are like, yay. Yeah. And then the next time you see it, it's crossing the bridge that collapses. Oh. The wording is Camp Krusty. The lettering. The lettering is Camp Krusty on the bus when it leaves the schoolyard. Uh-huh. But then when it arrives at the camp, it crosses the bridge. It's not mirrored, but all the letters are backwards. Interesting. It's like crusty. It's like Y R, and then all the way back to. Camp. <laughs> I didn't notice. Yeah, that. it's weird. It's like it's it's it's. I assume it's like one some weird, you know, uh, animator's note that got yeah. mistranslated when it got to Korea, and they yeah. just they don't know. I mean, it's just yes. like you know, it's yeah. like, make sure you do it the right way. It's yeah, like, well, the right way. Huh. Um, but um, lots of really nice little details yeah. in this in this show and and yeah. in this episode rather and. Uh, Oh God, I love Mr. Black, and and for me, my favorite character moment is what you're saying is Millhouse. Can, can we call oh, you yeah. Uncle Blackie? <laughs> perfect, perfect. I wanted to say one thing because it goes back to uh, that episode, the PTA disbands that we dealt with yep. a while ago. Um, the part that you like the best, where they're all murmuring at the PTA meeting, <laughs> he goes, uh, "The thing with the money, the thing with the fingers means the money." Yeah. That part where they're all uh, cheering the kids going away and the, the one, <laughs> one lady mom. goes, don't come back. That <laughs> yeah. rem- that's exactly that kind of thing that you're talking about. <laughs> yeah. Just like where in the writer's room that ca- who came up with that. And it seems like it might have even been like a last 
you know yeah it's, it's, it's sort of like when toss in. it's punch up right yeah, yeah but it's so it makes that moment mm-hmm. it's so good yeah brilliant yeah. um i really enjoy an old episode that is grounded but still just as funny as something where it's stupid i mean this is just yeah. as funny as a lot of the treehouse of terrors of the time yeah yeah yeah. and it yeah. can be because they really were you know in their game yeah, yeah. all right uh tar uh too evil too evil <laughs> too evil indeed All right, The Simpsons, Camp Krusty, that's season four, episode one. You are hereby inducted into the extra <laughs> hot gray cannon. Americans love a winner. Yeah. And will not tolerate a loser. No. All right, it's time for winner and loser of the week. And who has our winner? Me. All right. Winner of the week is Marvel, not because of the Avengers, although that's great too, but because this week... Um, the story came out that a mom of a kid named a woman named Christina D'Alessandro had a son named Anthony Smith who is hearing impaired and didn't want to wear his hearing aid because he, he, he said superheroes don't wear hearing aids. Oh, so she wait. So she wrote a letter, just just sent a blind email, not knowing who in the world she would right. have to write to and just explain the situation like. He loves superheroes. Is there anything you can do to try and make him want to wear this hearing aid? And so this somehow got up the chain at Marvel. They talked about an, an uh, earlier story involving Hawkeye where he lost his hearing. And, um, and so eventually what happened was an assistant editor at Marvel drew, created a new character and drew a cover page for this comic for the Blue Ear because that's a color this kid's hearing aid is and it says Anthony Smith is the blue ear and there's an illustration of the superhero guy that says thanks to my listening device I hear someone in trouble then you see help so that's really cute that's really lovely good for uh, you Marvel so good for Marvel Um, as wonderful as Marvel is (laughs) Paramount is the worst Um, last week why am I laughing I'm outraged you are outraged Um, we got the terrible news that Paramount decided to move G.I. Joe Retaliation Tara's most looked forward to movie of the summer (laughs) from June 29th of this summer to March 29th of 2013, the Mayans might have killed us all by then. We might never be able to see this movie. I believe I tweeted something to that effect. Uh, I didn't see that, but you are right to do so because <laughs> that is a danger. Yes. Not about the Mayans. Just I could be dead. Well, I that's could true. Be dead you could be March dead from 20, a lot of things. For a lot that's of true. reasons. Someone could kill me. Yes. I, I can speak to the fact that Tara was genuinely pissed off about I really oh, was. I <laughs> really sad. We were really looking forward and to I that. And I think I tweeted that because we have a list in our doc of like things that are coming up that may be topics for upcoming episodes so the real winners of this of this uh this perfidy from paramount are two Uh one is magic mike that's definitely what we're going to be talking about that week now it's not has no competition from gi joe retaliation i don't even know what that is oh dave Uh, it's magic mike it's the channing tatum stripper movie it's it's the steven soderbergh channing yeah i know i know what the project is i didn't know the title Matthew McConaughey. I saw the trailer for it with my sister, and she and she'd never heard of it either. And by the t- she that was Rihanna like, song really makes know. it. And then when Matthew McConaughey came out, she was like, oh, I'm, not, "I'm not made of wood." The other the other beneficiary of this She's not is, made of wood. Yes, the other beneficiary of this is uh, Step Up Revolution because now that has to be my undisputed yeah. most look forward to movie of the summer, and it will be. Fucking Paramount. Do you time with us, guys? Yeah, it's game time. Mm, all right 
So this is where we're at. We're going to be playing the ninth game time of the season. Counting the one we're playing today, we've got five more in the season. Joe's ahead by two points, five to three. So still anybody's season. But got to have the eye of the tiger. Yeah. Today we are playing Laying Down the Law mm-hmm. from uh, Ken B. Okay. I will read you the name of a law enforcement agent from pop culture. Okay. You're going to tell me what property they are from for one point, and then who played them for a second point. Okay. Okay. How has this never been a game before? I know. This is, so, this is such a good idea. Good you can job, ask, Ken. You can ask for a clue. Mm-hmm. I'll read you the, car- uh, the rather the actor name, and you tell me the property. Okay. okay. So that's right. the way the clue will roll. We have 34 questions mm-hmm. plus a tiebreaker okay. if we need it. Yes. A reminder to our listeners that the question order has been randomized before the start of the podcast, and we'll now pop toss the uh, the picking of who goes first to the person in control choosing initiative <laughs> or picky three thousand. Here we go. And it's Tara. Tara, you are going first. Okay. Are you ready to play Laying Down the Law? Yep. Yes. And one other note, uh, he has extracted, where possible, the ranks. So you're just getting the names. Oh, okay. Where possible. Sometimes it's not. Bernard Fife. Um... It was the Andy Griffith Show. That is correct. He was played by Don Knotts. And that is correct. And as we stall for time, as Dave moves his things <laughs> over and... I'll dig myself. Ding, ding. Care. Okay. So, Tara, that was worth two points. Thank you. Joe. Yes. Frank Drebin. Frank Drebin was played by Leslie Nielsen in Police Squad, Naked Gun, et cetera, et cetera. Correct. All right. Tara. Yep. Multiple answers. Mm-hmm. For the actor. Okay. James Gordon. Gary Oldman played him in Batman, the new Batman, the new Christopher Nolan Batmans. Batmans. In, in the Batmans was the correct answer. <laughs> in the Dark Knight. All right. <clears throat> Joe. Yes. Hildy Granger. Hildy Granger. Granger, perhaps, but I think it's Granger. H-I-L-D-Y? Uh, G- Granger, uh, Grant, no, it would be Granger. Sorry, G, uh, G R, uh, A. I, Granger's fine, but Hildy is H I L D Y. Oh, yeah, sorry. No, I just lost my place in the dock. Okay. Okay, I am back in the dock. I'm gonna need a Correct. Hint. Okay, the actor is Suzanne Summers, so you need to give me the property. Susan Summers playing a law enforcement Summers. agent. In what? I feel like this is something I should know. But I don't. Perpetual punchline. She's the sheriff. She. That's she's the sheriff. Okay. For Tara. Yeah. Your law enforcement officer is Vic Mackey. Uh, played by Michael Chiklis on The Shield. Correct. Joe. Yes. Scott Turner. Damn it. <coughs> Scott Turner. Hint. Tom Hanks. Oh, God. <laughs> Turner and Hooch. Correct. Uh, All right. Mean one. Yeah. Tara. Yep. James Jap. Two Ps. Hint. Philip Jackson. Um. Dragnet. Yes. Perot. What is it? Perot. Oh, Poirot. Yeah. All right. Joe. Vince yep. Delen- D'Angelo. Vince oh, D'Angelo. Shit. Vince D'Angelo. 
Hint. Bobby uh, Cannavale. Cannavale? Oh, Cannavale. Will and Grace. Correct. I, I can't remember them ever saying his name. No, his last name. His last name, yeah. Yep. Uh, all right, Tara. Yeah. Rick Grimes. Um, He's played by Andrew Lincoln on The Walking Dead. Nice. Correct for two points. Joe, that was our 10th. So why don't we uh, get a little score break action? Whoops. That was our 10th, but I went first. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. Yep. Yeah, did we miss one? Yes, we did miss one. Yeah, we did. Yeah, we did. You're right. All right. That was our ninth. Lee, okay, who's point? Who's My Joe. It's Joe's turn. My turn. Lee Scanlon. Lee Scanlon. Hint. David Kubit. Or Cubit. 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 That's two huh. T's. Hill Street Blues. Medium? Medium, correct. All right. Wow. <laughs> um, I have Canadian dart. He's Canadian. That's the only reason I know that. <laughs> All right. So Nine. that was a 10th question. Yes. I apologize yes. for that. Okay. Tara, how many points do you have? Eight. And Joe? Four. Okay. Eight to four, and we're about a third in. So this is for Tara. Yes. Buford Pussler. Um, from? Buford Pussler. P-U-S-S-E-R. Are there multiple options for this one? Yes. Uh, the Rock? From Walking Tall? Yeah. That's nice, Paul. He didn't have multiple... Oh, I fucking saw that movie in the theater. <laughs> the an- okay, I just... just it's in- Pusser. Pusser. It in, in the... It doesn't have Rock listed. I know he was the lead in that. Assuming yes. the character's name is the same? It was. Okay. It Joe. was... What's his name? Uh, the original guy. Was- oh, Joe Don Baker. Joe Don, Joe Don Baker. Baker. Yeah. For, this, for the sake of... Right. Everyone being on... Okay with me getting that one. No, Joe, of course. Marge Gunderson. Okay, thank you. Uh, <laughs> Francis McDormand and Fargo. Correct. Two points. All right, Tara. Yep. Deborah Morgan. Um, played by Jennifer Hall. <clears throat> Jennifer Carpenter. Yeah. And Dexter. Correct. One point One for point. Dexter. <clears throat> All right. Edmund J. Exley. Oh, Guy Pierce in LA Confidential. Correct. Two points. Jimmy Brock. Um, I believe this is Tom Skerritt on Picket Fences. Correct. Two points. Nice. Wow, nice pull. I know things. For Joe. Yeah. Stacy Sheridan. <sighs> Hint. Heather Locklear. TJ Hooker. <laughs> Correct for one point. And number 17. Spread Eagle. Roscoe P. Coltrane. <laughs> I don't know the actor's name, but it's for the Dukes of Hazard. The actor's name is James Best. Well, I wonder who played him in the remake, in the movie version. Doesn't Don't have matter. that information. Doesn't matter. Nobody cares. <laughs> Travis Jr. Me, Travis Jr. Hint. Robert Ben uh, Garant. Garant. Robert Ben Grant. Garant. 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 Yeah. What's the name of the guy again? Uh, the officer's name is Travis Jr. Last name Jr. I'm going to keep guessing Hill Street Blues until it turns out to be not bad. Reno 911. Oh, I it didn't was watch that Reno show. That's where I get it for not watching that show. For Tara, yeah. Martin Brody. Oh. Mm. Hint. Roy Scheider. Um. Jaws? One point. Joe. Yes. Bill Gannon. G-A-N-N-O-N. Hint. 
Harry Morgan. This is Dragonet, right? Correct. All right, that was question number 20. Score break, Tara. 15. And Joe? 10. All right. For Tara, Matt Parkman. Fuck, I feel like I know this one too, and I can't pull it. Hint. Greg Grunberg. Oh, heroes. Heroes is correct. I love that whenever we get one that the answer is heroes, we're all just like, heroes. Remember, remember the first season of Hero Guys? God. And probably other seasons. Chief Trumple. Chief Trumple. Huh. I don't know if a hint's going to help me. Um, hint. Eric Pierpoint. Nope. I was right. Wasn't going to help me. Um, I wouldn't have gotten that point anyway, though. Uh, Twin Peaks? Mm. No. Guess. Tara, do you know? No. Oh, Parks and Recreation. Oh. Parks and Recreation. Oh. Sure. For, I should have known. Funny oh, dear. Name. For Tara. Yeah. Harry S. Truman. Twin Peaks. <laughs> and the actor's name is Michael Keane. Correct. Very good. All right. For Joe, Art Mullen. M-U-L-L-I-N. Shit. Oh, damn it. Um. Oh, is this justified? It would have been bad if you had not got that. I know. Well, it's, got, cause it's always Art, but I don't know his last name at all. Uh, Nick Searcy is the actor. Correct. Nice. Two points. Hey, it's that guy, Nick Searcy. Yes. Suzanne Anderson. Hint. Angie Dickinson. Police woman. Correct for one point. For Joe. Yes. Anna Lucia Cortez. Anna Lucia Cortez. Oh, Lucia. Sorry. Michelle Rodriguez in Lost. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Correct. Two points. Tara. Yeah. Officer Kirk. Is it James Gunn on Gilmore Girls? Damn it! It is Ed Peck from Happy Days. Ed oh. Peck from Happy oh. Days. That wouldn't have, I wouldn't have got that one anyway. Yeah. Might as well. <laughs> Might as well Go for the gusto. <laughs> Joe, your next law enforcement officer is Robert Barone. Oh, Brad Garrett on Everybody Loves Raymond? Two points. Right. Tara. Yeah. Virgil Tibbs. Hint. Virgil Hint. Tibbs. Hint. Sid- Sidney Poitier. Oh, um. In the Heat of the Night. Correct for one point. All right, here we go. Number 30 for Joe. Yes. Jim Brass. Brass. He's a police officer. His name's Brass. There was a brass? So you know it's a show of sophistication. There was a Brass on Oz, but his name wasn't Jim. Um, hint. Paul Guilfoyle. Also okay. Also, that guy. Yeah. He's on... From the site. Mm-hmm. Is he on CSI? Yep. Right. Correct. One point. All right. So that was our 30th. You both have two more questions each. Sorry, how many points do you have? 20. And Joe? 17. All right. So... Mathematically, we're still in the game. Yeah. Tara. Yep. Brenda Lee Johnson. Kira Sedgwick on the closer. Nice job. And that is two points in theory. There we go. And uh, for Joe. Yes. Frank Luger. Frank Luger. Yeah. I don't know him. James Gregory. (laughs) Sorry. (laughs) No, you're right to laugh. (laughs) You're right to laugh. I have no idea. 
Barney Miller. Oh. Yeah. That's a hard one. Yeah. All right, for Tara. Yep. Link Hayes. Link with a C. I, oh, Clarence Williams III on the Mod Squad. Nice. Wow. <laughs> yeah, fuck all y'all. <laughs> all right. <laughs> and la- <laughs> <laughs> All right. Last Didn't actually drop the mic. Nope. We own this property. No, yeah. <laughs> Frank Ferrillo. Uh, Frank Ferrillo. Ferrillo? Ferrillo. So when you said Frankfurter, you didn't mean Frank. No. Okay. <laughs> F-U-R-I-L-L-O. I don't know. Hint. Um, Daniel J. Travanti. Correct. Oh, that name sounds familiar. This is Hill Street. Hey! Yay! <laughs> I didn't want to say anything. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, Tara, how many points did you end up with? 24. And Joe? 18. Oh, well, that was well a good done, game. Tara. That was a good game. That was a fun we should game. play that one again. <laughs> we could. We didn't hit Law and Order at all. We didn't hit both. We didn't hit Tara. Tara. All right, guys, that is it for another episode of Extra Hot Great. We pitch camp in Wes Anderson's Moonrise Kingdom, earning our merit badges for cork exposure. <laughs> and we discovered Dave will not hate the upcoming Monsters vs. Robot film, Pacific Rim. Joe pitched another classic episode of The Simpsons for the canon, and we discovered we will always love Camp Krusty, a registered trademark of the Krusty Corporation, all rights <laughs> reserved. We crowned winners and losers of the week, and Tara was the winner of this week's game time from Ken with our thanks. Remember to visit our site, our Facebook page, and our Twitter feed. Make a comment and see what else is in the canon. The place to go is extrahotgreat.com. Remember. I am David T. Cole on behalf of Tara Ariano. You broke nothing. And Joe Reed. Dancing to a French song. Thanks for listening. We'll see you right here next time on Extra Hot Great. Wait a minute. You didn't learn how World War II ended. <laughs>